1: Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a series of messages called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life, on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verse 22. This is going to be the anchor verse to seek to understand what the book of Proverbs tells us about wealth, what it says to us about money, how it instructs us about how to make use of it, how to think about it. And my hope and my prayer for us as we consider this, because this is something that that affects all of us, is that we will think rightly about wealth and money and resources, that we'll act rightly with our money and our resources, that we'll feel rightly about how God makes use of wealth, of money, of resources. One verse this morning, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. There's a Bible verse that I thought I came to understand when I was younger. Maybe you've heard it said this way too. Money is the root of all evil. Well, it was easy for me to understand as a kid coming up, money is bad, and so bad that it actually is the evil that is underground feeding any kind of evil that you might be experiencing, every other kind of evil. And this created a lot of conflict in me because I thought that as I grew up to be an adult, that I needed to figure out a way to get rid of all money since it was the root of all evil... But it was tough for me because I was always interested in it. I opened up my first bank account when I was five years old. It was one of the gifts that I got as a five-year-old, is that I got to go to the bank and open up a bank account, and I deposited $10, and every month when I got my statement, I would check to see how much interest I got. I still remember the first month I made two cents, which in hindsight, was a fabulous interest rate to make two cents in one month on ten dollars. And I thought that this was just the biggest scam in the world, that the bank was giving me money just for holding on to my money. I was eight or nine or ten when I closed that bank account and moved it to a different bank a couple of streets over because they had better interest rates on their savings accounts. And I would either bike around or ask my parents to drive me around to get interest rate sheets from the different banks to compare them to see where I could make the best return on my money. When I was 15 years old, I got what is still to this day one of the best gifts I've ever received, two shares of Oracle Corporation. And so every day I would open up the business section of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and I would see how my stock was doing. It was up 2.1% on Friday, I still own it. And so within me was this conflict. You saw I'm interested in this, this seems like it's something that might be good and yet I'm supposed to get rid of all my money because it's the root of all evil. How does that work? Well, One of the ways that we handle money rightly is by handling God's word rightly. And so it was much later than it should have been in my life when I was making my way through the book of 1 Timothy and devotions, and I realized that for years I had internalized a misquote of God's word. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs I sat up straight wait money is not the root of all evil but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil now that changes things That means I can still keep my oracle stock until I'm 38 years old and a pastor. That means I can still take a look at rate sheets, right? And still figure out how to make use of money in wise sorts of ways. It's not money that's the issue. It's the wrong relationship to money that's an issue. It's loving it. It's desiring it. It's craving it that's what causes evil in all sorts of different places. And for us to understand what God intends for us in relation to wealth, finances, and money, one of the best places for us to possibly look is the book of Proverbs, because it's where we get the most substantial treatment of wealth in all of the scriptures. And what we've learned as we make our way through Proverbs, is that wealth is a good thing when it is gained, when it is ordered, when it is used in godly ways. And it's dangerous when it isn't. Wealth is good when it is gained, used, and ordered in godly ways. And it's dangerous when it isn't. So, Let's work our way through all of that. First, wealth is good. A good man, says Proverbs 13, verse 22, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 says, By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And all throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about how one of the rewards for hard work is gain, the gain of riches or wealth. Proverbs talks about how wealth, how money, how resources in and of themselves, they are good things. One way that we get into trouble as Christians is by denying the goodness of what God has made. He's made the earth. And he's made it to be fruitful. And he's given human beings the capacity to harness the fruitfulness of the earth, to multiply it, to store it, to develop it, to cultivate it, and to have enough to fill the house, and to have enough to leave to children, and to have enough to leave to grandchildren. And that actually it's something that is good and godly and righteous to do so. All of this reflects a good, creative God who invites us to imitate him as his image bearers and create in a reflection of him so that there can be abundance, an abundance that might be used in the right sorts of ways. As Christians, one of the things that we recognize is the goodness of God and of God's created world. And when we begin with goodness, it becomes easier for us to use the good things that God has given to us in better sorts of ways. Whenever we have a corrupted sense of something that God has made and given, we tend to misuse it. Let me explain what I mean. Those who believe that sex is something that is inherently evil tend to abuse it more than those who recognize its inherent goodness. And the need to maintain its goodness through the proper use of it. To make sure it's only used in the proper context. A marital union between a Christian man and a Christian woman. Those who believe that alcohol is inherently evil tend to abuse it more than recognize that it's something that God has given for good. And therefore use it in moderation. And... Those who believe that money is inherently evil, as I did from about six to about 14, tend to abuse it more than those who recognize that it's one of God's good gifts to be used as God intends it. And so the Proverbs talk about the growth of wealth and the fact that it's good. Proverbs 10.4 A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Knowing that God has made wealth and made it good should lead us to know God's freedom to work hard, to make money, to invest it wisely, to become wealthy. Know that it's because God has blessed your work, if that happens. Know that if you have been given wealth, it's come because God has blessed your work.
2: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering 7 Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com.
1: And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life. On the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. There are many people at many times in many ages, in many places, who have worked as hard or harder than you and have had far less. And so if you have some material wealth, realize the giver of that and the owner of that is God and praise God for the gift of it. And make sure that in all of your work and in all of your efforts, you don't exploit or steal or give yourself over to injustice. Because the second thing that Proverbs notes is that wealth is worthless if it's come through sinful, unjust means. That's the other theme that Proverbs is going to hit throughout 10 to 29. 10 verse 2 says that treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but that righteousness delivers from death. 21 verse 6 says that the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Proverbs 23 verse 10 says, do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless for their redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Wealth is good when it's gained through righteous means, but Proverbs 10 through 29 warn us strongly about getting wealthy through unjust means. 23 verse 10 talks about, you know, moving an ancient landmark. These would have been the sorts of landmarks that had been set up to establish who owned what portions of what fields. These ancient landmarks could have gone all the way back to the time when God had given to the people of Israel the promised land that he had Uh, allowed them to take possession of. He had ordered a distribution of the land to various tribes and different clans and households within those various tribes and ancient boundary markers were set up so that people would know what family, what tribe, what clan owned what part of the land. Now a person who was moving these ancient boundary markers would have been trying to, probably under the cover of night, bit by bit, expand their land and expand their territory so that in an agrarian society they could farm more, so that they could gather more, so that they could become wealthy. And the injustice of it wasn't just for one particular moment, but the injustice of this would span generations. Because one of the ways that God had established that there would be equality within the people of Israel is that every 50 years, there was supposed to be a year of jubilee where there was a time of resting and of feasting and of forgiving of debts and a return of property to the ancient boundaries that had been set up when the people of Israel had inherited the land. And so if somebody had moved these ancient boundary markers after this year of Jubilee, the land would have been given back to these people. It meant that there still would have been an injustice because the land that had been restored would have been illicitly gotten through the moving of these boundary markers. Don't do it, God says. And then he says, also don't enter the land of the fatherless or the widow especially at this particular time if the father of the home had died. It would have exposed the the woman and her children to, to great poverty. There would have been no adult man strong enough to push back those that came onto the land and started to use it for their purposes. It would have been a grotesque injustice to start harvesting the crops of a fatherless household, exposing a a woman and her orphaned children to even more poverty because of the abuse of the neighbor that had stolen her and her family's grain, her goods. And what the Lord says here is that there's a reason that you shouldn't be moving these ancient landmarks or entering the fields of the fatherless. And the reason is the Redeemer is strong and he will plead their case against you. Now, if your Bibles are still open and you want to flip to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 10, one of the things that you will recognize is that there is one word that's capitalized there to signal something to us. It says, the Redeemer, and in 23, verse 10, Redeemer is capitalized which signals to us this is more than a human redeemer. It tells us that if we are gaining through illicit unjust means that God himself will come against us and plead the case of the ones we've stolen from against us. I'll tell you right now, I want to avoid that. I want to avoid going into any courtroom setting where the prosecuting attorney is God And I'm on the defense because he's gonna win. And if you steal from the vulnerable, you're stealing from somebody who in worldly terms might not have anybody to plead their case, but God reminds you that he sees and is going to plead that case. Much better Much better is it to come by wealth through good, honorable, hardworking, slow means. It's better to do this actually than getting everything at once. Proverbs 13 verse 11 says that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 20 verse 21 says an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Now that seems interesting, right? Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. For some reason, Proverbs is telling us that it is more wise to come by wealth through the use of work over a long period of time than to have one massive windfall. Now, that might seem counterintuitive to you. Well, if I'm going to end up with it in one way or the other, why wouldn't it be okay for me to just end up with all of it right away at the beginning, and then I can start making use of it? The reality is that wealth is such a powerful thing that when you have it, All at once, the temptation is to use it, abuse it, and lose it. One statistic that always boggles my mind is that lottery winners are more likely to declare bankruptcy than those that never win the lottery. That's crazy, isn't it? More likely to declare bankruptcy after ending up with millions of dollars than if you had never ended up with it at all. Why? Because all of a sudden you feel like you are impervious to any sort of problems. You start spending in ways that are unwise, unrighteous, ungodly. And you realize that it is pretty easy to lose money very quickly in a lot of different ways. There's a joke, you know, how do you make a small fortune in the tech industry? You start with a large fortune in the tech industry. And it speaks to the fact that there are lots of different ways to lose money and if you're unwise with it, well it can just evaporate. All of this tells us that wealth is a relative good. What do I mean by that? That it's something that's good but but we need to understand it in appropriate relationship to other things that are also good. Sure it's good, but it's not ultimate. And that also is a huge theme throughout Proverbs. Proverbs will talk about wealth being good, but not as good as a number of different things throughout. Let me, let me hit you with a few of these. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Proverbs 16, verse 8. Better is a dry morsel with a quiet house than a house full of feasting with strife. Proverbs 17 verse 1. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Know what the book of Proverbs is saying to us here. That while wealth is something that's good, it is not as good as many other goods that the Lord God has given to us. Wealth is good, but it's way better to be poor and given to justice. Wealth is good, but it's much better to have very little And yet to have a house that's at peace. This is something that's important for us to recognize as we consider all of this. Because sometimes wealth becomes the aim or the goal of our life. That other things that are actually better start to kind of fall away. And so a home can start experiencing all measure of strife. Because you feel... Like you're entitled to this or that or the other thing. Maybe it's something that your siblings got that you wish you could have had. Maybe through their efforts that that you feel like you were better at and you should have had. Maybe you feel like your parents are being more kind or generous to them than they are to you. And so you start refusing to speak to this or that or the other person and it tears up a home. I have a friend who is uh, very wealthy. Very wealthy. He's worshipped here before at Orland Park CRC. And, um, he, uh, you didn't know he was here. He's, he told everybody who asked him what he did, that he worked uh, at a gas station, which was true, but not the whole truth. And so, you didn't know. He, his fam- he told me a story once, and... and What he told me was that his family, because of the substantial amount of wealth that they have in the family, they brought in a family psychologist to sort of talk to the family and and work out the family system, things that were taking place within this particular family. And and so they sat down with a psychologist, did some work within the family, and the psychologist said, I've been doing this for my whole life. This is the first wealthy, intact family that I have ever worked with said, almost always when there is generational wealth, there is a child or a grandchild that goes off the deep end in this way or another way. Almost always there is a, a family that has sort of disowned the rest of the family because of all of these sorts of matters that complicate things. And what Proverbs is saying is that while wealth is good, don't elevate it to the place where it starts tearing you up. Proverbs then goes on. And it talks about a whole host of things that are better than wealth. Wealth is good, but it isn't as good as knowledge, actually. Proverbs 20, verse 15. There is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. You know what Proverbs 20, verse 15 is saying? All right, so wealth is good, but knowledge is better. Continues. Wealth is good, but it isn't as good as a good name. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. But it's not nearly as good as a good spouse. Proverbs 19, verse 14. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I love that one. You got wealth? Oh, anybody can get that. But you got a good wife? God did something for you. That's good. And it isn't nearly as good as fearing a good God. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Proverbs 15, verse 6.
2: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church,